This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach and also an author, and my new book is Find Your Happy at Work. It's about getting unstuck and creating more satisfaction and success on the job. Today, we're talking about what workers really think about the places where they work. Our guest is Ethan McCarty. He's a former journalist who spent 20 years at firms like Bloomberg and IBM managing information flows. Now, he's the founder and CEO of Integral. That's a communications and marketing agency that often focuses on organizations' messages to their own people. Integral and the Harris Poll recently surveyed a sample of employees, asking them to give their employers a performance review. Ethan will share the results, and we'll talk about workplace concerns and trends in 2022. Ethan, today we're going to talk about how ready employees are to focus on their organization's goals. But here at Jazzed About Work, we always like to know a bit about our guests and about their career story. So before we we get into all of this good research, would you tell us a bit about your own career path and how you got here? Well, Beverly, it's such a pleasure to be on the show, and and thank you for asking that question. I, I love how you start off these podcasts with, with that kind of frame about, hey, we're talking about work. Let's talk about our work. Um, I started off as a musician and a writer, and uh, went to Ohio University of all places, where uh, where this podcast is being recorded, and I yes. uh, got a degree in, in creative writing and. Um, you know, I was mostly interested in writing essays and poetry uh, and a little bit of short fiction, too. And, um, you know, I, I went off to live in Paris after graduating because, believe it or not, there wasn't a, a big job waiting for me as, you know, the, me- the next American novelist when I graduated with my, with my degree in creative writing. Um, I went off to live in Paris, which is maybe the the ultimate, um, you know, kind of stereotypical thing to do, but in, enjoyed yes, it. Yes, it's it's heaven. Yes, it was it was fantastic, and um, it was a, a great year. I worked as a you know kind of a bartender at a youth hostel, but when I came back, you know, the dot com boom was really in in full flight. This is in the late nineteen nineties, and um, I moved in with a friend of mine in New York City. And um, just started, you know, to look for jobs on the New York New Media Association website and uh, started to do some freelance writing. You know, I had a degree degree in creative writing and I did a lot of jobs like writing catalog copy for, you know, all of these websites were were going up. And I think the cover of Time Magazine when I the month that I moved to New York was something like content is king. And I think it was maybe the one time in. American history that you could move to New York City as a writer without a trust fund and survive. So there was like ample good timing. It was great timing. It really was. And um, yeah, so so just by picking up uh, freelance work along the way, I ended up uh, finding my way into a full time job as a as a journalist writing about consumer electronics. And it just kind of married my love because I was you know I was doing all this audio recording and you know related to being a musician. 
And so I was able to write somewhat knowledgeably about um, what was a really exciting time, frankly, in the industry as, as you know, all the analog methods like cassettes and LPs and VHS tapes transition to digital. It was a really exciting time to write about consumer electronics. And that kind of got me into, you know, being a professional writer here in New York. Well, you had good timing and you also, looks like you made some really smart choices. You went to some great companies to uh, really be grounded on exactly what was happening, right? Well, it was it was it was a very exciting time. Late '90s in New York City, of course, there was, um, you know, there was uh, what we call Silicon Alley, which is you know where all these startups had convened downtown, and uh, there was a, a a bit of a war for talent. You know, if you knew uh, how to create content and you could uh, kind of fake your way through a little HTML, the the world was your oyster. And uh, I did find my way into, actually, I was trying to write an article about some display technology that IBM was uh, introducing. Um, ultimately, it became quite commodified, like your, your, uh, your 1080p television, which you no doubt have in your, in your living room, was, was uh, novel technology at that time. And I got into a conversation with, uh, with a PR team at uh, IBM Research, and we just really hit it off. I ended up uh, the next 13 years of my life, I spent at IBM in a variety of roles uh, as a you know kind of a digital communicator and marketer. Um, I had a, a fantastic opportunity to uh, help lead IBM's effort into really engaging in social media in very, very deep and significant ways. I was IBM's first uh, global director of social strategy. And, um, and then... Uh, you know, to 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 be at an organization like IBM that was itself being transformed by the emergence of all these digital platforms and helping its customers transform um, was it was just a, a fantastic thirteen years, uh, which then set me up to yeah, as you said, um, go on to uh, another great company. I worked for for Bloomberg LP. I led uh, internal communications and innovation communications, and I had. Um, I was had the the real privilege to to work with uh, Mike Bloomberg directly on some of his communications to employees globally, and uh, to kind of replatform the way employee communications uh, was um, executed at the at the organization. From you know, kind of helped to move it over a, a three or four year period from being, you know, kind of a um, you know like a, a mechanism within the organization just to disseminate information to a much more strategic capability that had a lot more, um, let's say, impact on, on, on culture and greater insights into employee uh, perceptions and activating employees even as ambassadors uh, in the public sphere as well. Well, it sounds like your interest in internal messaging and how all the pieces work together, they that sounds like perhaps it was the foundation of um, what you did next in um, setting up Intergroup. Tell us about how you made the transition and, and what you folks do. So uh, that's right. I'm the CEO and founder of, of Integral, and anybody who wants to poke around can find us at uh, teamintegral.com. And uh, we call ourselves an employee advocacy or employee activation agency. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I kind of came to deeply believe over the course of the 20 years that I spent as a journalist, as a IBMer, as an executive at Bloomberg, is that employees are any organization's first public. 
And if you don't get it right with employees, you don't really stand a chance of having a sustainable and durable impact for your clients or 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 even in some of these loftier domains that many organizations want to operate in like societal impact. Like you, if you don't get it right with employees, you're you're probably not going to be able to achieve any of those those things. And um, that point of view informed my work at IBM and definitely informed my work at, at Bloomberg, um, where I think that that was already a known factor. I mean, Bloomberg has an extraordinary uh, connection with its philanthropy. You know, the, the company itself has an extraordinary connection with its philanthropy and it's very tightly bound. Um, and so I just kept seeing that um, sort of dynamic as I talked with uh, peers and, and colleagues at, at other organizations, other, other big organizations, as you do through, you know, through organizations like the, the Page Society and the um, Institute for Public Research, uh, Public Relations um, Research. And, um, um, you know, many, many companies were kind of paying lip service to that. And I just kept on finding that again and again. You, you look at these company websites and, you know, like nine out of 10 of them say employees are our number one resource and, you know, the most valued people are our are, are people. And, and then when you start to dig beneath the surface, I mean, gosh, you don't have to dig very far to find, you know, uh, glass door rankings and uh, LinkedIn posts and uh, chatter all across the web that is, you know, really at odds with those assertions. And um, having worked for a couple of companies, I think we're really, really doing in earnest uh, efforts to make it right. I thought, okay, well, there's there's a business here. And um, in fact, um, it wasn't really my, I wouldn't say it was my, um, you know, kind of dream to be an entrepreneur. I've always been entrepreneurial, but I was approached by a couple people in um, in our industry who have a really good track record of uh, starting and backing um, communications and marketing firms. And they, you know, they kind of asked me, would you, would you ever like to take some of these ideas and bring them into the marketplace at a greater scale? And um, those are my partners. It's a, an organization called FHS Partners. And it was, um, you know, it's, I spent some time, you know, really looking into like, okay, well, how would we, how would I build an organization that can um, help big companies at scale activate employees uh, broadly? And, um, and that's, uh, you know, a year or so later, ended up uh, launching Integral, which is now in its fourth year. And, uh, you know, we've grown fairly precipitously and um, have had the opportunity now to do some, you know, to do some research. We've, we've even won some awards. Uh, the uh, the um, Institute for, uh, of uh, Internal Communications uh, gave us their top award as the, the best agency uh, globally, uh, which is, you know, really validating to be able to do, the, you know, take this idea of employee activation, um, start to work with big, big brands um, and small companies alike, and see how uh, we can create employee communications, digital transformation efforts, and culture and change efforts that really connect employees and employers in material ways that are mutually beneficial and sustainable over time. Well, I think this is another example of your having terrific sense of timing, because there's such a need. I, I agree with you. Lots of people are paying lip service to the idea of uh, really listening to their employees. But 
even if they mean well, um, sometimes they don't know how to go about changing the way they communicate. I also think uh, I, I love your approach of getting getting the data. I think people now are speculating about what are we going to be doing to better connect with employees, and 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 what you've done is is you've um, partnered. Um, and created a a survey that seems to be right on point, right on what we need to know these days. Can you tell us about the Employee Activation Index? My pleasure, Beverly. Thanks for asking. So, yeah, we did work with the the Harris Poll to put together a um, a new research instrument that we we plan to field annually and probably update uh, twice a year. In fact, we're we're just uh, lining up our um, our update, which will probably be in the field in late December, early January. Um, the employee the integral employee activation index is designed to say is designed to take a look at the perceptions of employees on a number of areas. Uh, you know, everything from their um, belief in whether or not their employer's values match their own values to their workplace experience, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, what they think their organization's mission is, um, and whether or not, uh, those perceptions actually link back to behaviors. And so this was, you know, the, the kind of, um, you know, what, what instigated the development of this, uh, this survey instrument is that I think there's great research out there about um, engagement, about trust, uh, you know, about uh, things like morale and motivation. And one of the things as a leader of employee communications within organizations that I always craved was, all right, well, it's interesting to know those things, but then what happens um, to the actions of employees, like that activation point? And that's, by the way, Beverly, I wanted to just note um, we call ourselves a an employee activation agency, really in contrast to this idea of internal communications. I mean, internal communications, I think, is great as the name of a department. And if you're trying to sort out funding or whatever, fine. But I don't think it accurately depicts the strategic value of that capability if it's, you know, if it's really, really um, robust. So internality and externality are not necessarily the most useful sort of uh, categories, particularly because our digital communications transcends the firewall on a daily basis. I mean, so much of what employees are asked to do has nothing to do with internal. Um, It's, you know, in fact, employees are usually the ones who are facing off with your customers or developing the products that will, you know, that will support your customers. So they're very, very much an external public. And so that idea of internal, um, I, you know, we, we say employee because we can actually identify a group of people called employees and then activation instead of communication. Uh, communication is a key lever and so important. And, and you know, the communications profession is, is the one in which I believe I, I'm a part of that. So it's very important, but um, it is a input to, you know, do employees actually, when we communicate with them well, do they gain the confidence and the knowledge and the belief that they need in order to take some action? And, and so it's the activity that we wanted to focus on. And so that's what we asked. We, we, um, we fielded a survey with the, uh, with the Harris Poll 
to more than 2,000 participants representing four generations. Um, and um, very, very, I mean, we went with the Harris Poll because, as you know, they're they're really the gold standard. The The population that they were able to reach for us was you know, very representative, um, ethnically, uh, gender wise, um, generationally, very representative of the U S workforce. And we did, um, constrain the research to, uh, to the United States and to those who are, uh, working full time. Um, we asked, uh, I mean, one of the first things that we asked was we presented the, uh, we presented the survey respondents with, uh, 25 issues, I mean, ranging from LGBTQ rights to um, income inequality, uh, the environment, uh, voting rights, um, 25 different societal and political issues. And we asked respondents to select up to five issues that they felt were important for their organization to make a positive difference on. Um, do you want to take a guess at one of them, Beverly? Or you've got the report, so maybe well, you're, you're I, not, I, I, not I have in front of me your report. So I, but I would love to hear what you think. I, I love your nice summary on eight takeaways. Uh, why don't you uh, tell me? Uh, did any of them startle you, or did they reinforce what you already thought? Well, yeah. So first of all, the five top rank issues. Uh, they did surprise me. So by a landslide, the number one issue, 40% of people said employees, good health and well-being. And I think, you know, that may be tied to where we are in the pandemic, right? Um, employee, you know, people are looking around and they're saying, gosh, uh, so many uh, system, you know, so much systemic failure. I, I really hope that my employer can take care of me. Um, and then secondly, came in job creation. Um, which it, which also uh, did not surprise us, um, given the volatility in the um, economic landscape. Uh, the third one was racial inequity, discrimination, hate crimes, and prejudice or bias in the workplace. And uh, or, I'm sorry, not just in the workplace, but in general. And 25% of people uh, put that in their top five, which makes sense because I think there is a um, a reckoning, you know. I think we can we can all see there's a reckoning right now with uh, systemic racism. It's it's kind of everywhere. The fourth one that 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 did surprise me was data privacy, and twenty four percent of people um, put that in their in their top ranking of uh, the top five where they wanted their employers to make a difference on it. And I think what's interesting about that and very actionable for your listeners is if you are messaging an employee population constantly about, you know, change your password and protect our data and everything. The subtle message there is, you know, look, your data too is at risk. And who has more data about you than your employer? You know, it probably has some health data, certainly a lot of demographic data. So people want their employers to watch out for their data. And then last on that top five list was uh, gender and wage uh, you know, uh, gaps. So, um, and leadership gaps. And the good news on that one is 20 per- 20% of people put that in their top five, and it was almost exactly equally split men and women ranking that in their top five. And what gives me hope there is I think that indicates that gender equity is, you know, particularly in the workplace is not a women's issue. It's a, it's a human rights issue. And I think that that has broadly come to, um, sort of the, the top of people's minds. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. 
Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School. the things I found so interesting is that people really do care about the values of their organization and, and how those values play out in real life. But the way they feel about the values um, also influences um, the feeling of the employee about the whole organization, even if it isn't directly related to that value. For example, um, people who feel aligned with the values um, are, are, are more likely to think that the culture of the organization is fun or it's supportive. It, it, it just feels like really getting down and grappling with what people care about is critical to getting alignment of, of any kind for the organization. Is that right? Well, Beverly, the data backs that up. And so when we asked people how their organization performs on their personal values, 64% of people say, yeah, the you know the organization does reflect my values, which on the surface sounds pretty good. Okay, it's a majority. But that means 36% of people do not believe that their organization reflects their values. And when we started to dig into the data, we asked people, yeah, you know, how do you feel about the organization? How do you feel coming into work that day? And the difference is stark. And I think if you walk away with anything from this conversation, it's going to be 2x and 2.5x. So on the positives here, uh, when, when we ask people, uh, how do you feel about your job? Those, who, uh, those whose values align with the organization's values or, or the other way around, um, are twice as likely to come into work every day feeling confident, grateful, and motivated. Those who do not have that alignment between their employer's values and their own are two and a half times to show up saying, I feel tired, indifferent, and underappreciated. Now, feelings are important. And, you know, as a as a leader of a company, I want my employees to feel those positive feelings, not those negative feelings. But if you're looking to make the business case, it's probably not going to be on the back of feelings. It's going to be on the back of actions. What we found is where there is that alignment between an employee's values and their perception of their, of their employer's values, they are twice as likely to stay with the organization in challenging times. They're about twice as likely to go the extra mile for a colleague or a client, help someone outside of their immediate team, defend the organization, more than twice as likely to defend the organization if they're faced with a crisis. They're about twice as likely to engage in mentoring, volunteerism, and uh, participate in corporate charitable giving. And, and, and that's a huge, huge differential. I mean, twice as likely. It would be one thing if it was just like, oh, you know, maybe on, around the margins. But when you can achieve that values alignment, um, you also greatly increase the likelihood that those individuals will stay with the business. So 63% 
of those who have that alignment are likely to stay with their employer over the next six to 12 months and 65% would give their organization a positive review online. So like going onto Glassdoor and saying, hey, this is a good place to work. It's worth building a career here. Well, it sounds like those numbers are consistent with what we've been seeing in in other kind of polling. There's um, a lot written about how maybe 40%, as much as 40% of Americans are are ready to leave their current job or want to. Uh, So that kind of aligns with, with what you're saying. But Let's let's get into the activation phase. If sure. it, it feels like um, one of the things, a baseline for employers is to to understand what their employees value and to um, have a sense of the things they're struggling with, whether it's you know because they have children in the home and they have special issues or they're they're all kinds of equity issues. Knowing what their employees care about really matters, but. The next phase you're talking about is activation. When when you have um, uh, aligned employees, when you have employees who are with the organization, what do you want them to do to to help with branding or to support the organization growth? What is activation then? Well, it's really interesting because there's it it manifests in a number of of uh, dimensions. I mean, first of all, just interacting with the organization on social media. That's a sort of very, very simple way. And it can be something as simple as, you know, sharing a link or liking a post or what have you. And we found that employees who have that alignment, um, you know, where they're, uh, you know, where they're, uh, where they feel that alignment are almost twice as likely to do things like, you know, re-share a post on Facebook or, or LinkedIn and so on. And, um, and then also, you know, leaving those, those positive reviews, uh, very, very important for employer branding. I mean, you think about if you're going to go buy a toaster, you might read, you know, 30 reviews on Amazon. If you're going to change your career, you're certainly going to read a few reviews too. And um, we're finding that more and more uh, Team Integral is getting pulled into work with talent acquisition as much as we are with organizational change, with organizational communications, with executive communications and digital transformation, um, turning the employees into the best recruiters in the world is, is really achievable. It's really possible. The data says, yeah, if you do that, you can, you know, if you, if you, if you do that, you're going to see some really good results. Um, we also found that, um, you know, the there's a there's a business case to be made around the avoidance of negative outcomes as well and so you you find that the you know where there's that alignment is missing activation is not all positive it can it can be um it can be messy uh, but your chances of success are greatly enhanced if you have that values alignment because if you're you know in the population of your organization that doesn't sense that values alignment 25% are ready to warn a candidate that the organization is a bad place to work. And uh, about a quarter are ready to you know, say that a colleague would, would quit over this or not comply with their organizational policies. Um, 21% said uh, a teammate or colleague without that alignment would protest or walk out or not follow safety protocols. Um, 20% said that they would post negative reviews. And then the two things that I think are kind of the scariest here, uh, if you don't achieve that, the population that doesn't see that alignment 
20% of them are ready to disclose confidential information. That's I mean, can you imagine in, in banking and in healthcare and security yeah. and 17 set 17% said that um, a teammate would sabotage the organization. Now, Beverly, we, we put that, we put that item in there almost as on a lark, like, Oh, no one's going to answer that, but seven, a double digit number. And so that values alignment. And I think you, you brought this up earlier. It really stems from listening. And, you know, this is one of the things that we often help our clients with is just saying like, all right, well, it, sure, the, you know, the annual employee survey is a good place to start, but um, translating that into a culture of listening. Um, and I'm not saying that organizations need to be run. You know, it's like, there's a reason why you have leaders. Leaders lead, leaders make the tough decisions. We're not saying every organization should be, you know, uh, all decisions become democratized or you just do the will of whoever shows up. Not at all. Um, but being able to understand how your workforce, un, you know, perceives and receives this, you know, the decisions that are made and then to justify them and to explain them and to clearly communicate and to take employees input as valid and um, and actually, you know, create feedback loops within the organization. It's a lot of work. And one of the things and this is, you know, you asked me, you know, kind of what got me into this in the first place. I always thought that I guess I, I, I guess I just always thought that most organizations investment in communications is really lopsided. My, my grandfather used to say that you've got two ears and one mouth, Ethan, use them in that proportion. And it seems like every communications department is exactly the opposite. A lot of investment yeah. in broadcast tools, publishing content, not a lot of investment in listening, sensing, analysis. And um, anyway, so I think that that's like, if you can do that and you can understand, um, you know, just like in any good marketing program, if you understand the audience well, and the audience can see themselves in the message, uh, that's, you know, that's uh, going to, you're, you're going to stand a lot more uh, higher chance for uh, success. I, I think you are exactly right that Communication isn't just about sending out messages in any context. Communication is about interaction and listening and being aware. But I want to change, uh, before we run out of time, I want to just change gears very slightly and, and look at this from the standpoint of the employee. I suspect we have listeners out there saying, gosh, I don't know what my organization would think if I put something on social media. How do I do it? Is it dangerous? What's really useful? Do you have any suggestions for employees who want to support their brand, they want to support their organization, but are feeling a bit shy about doing anything with social media or anything else in the way of speaking up? Absolutely. And the first thing that you can do is just take a look at what your organization is already putting out there. I mean, dollars to donuts, your organization has a LinkedIn page or a Twitter handle or Instagram uh, handle or a Facebook page. Go check it out. And is there something good there? Is there something that resonates with you there? And if, if it does and you feel really good about that, it's a wonderful opportunity to share it. The same thing goes for um, just being an advocate for bringing people into the organization. If you, if you feel like you're, you're working for a great employer, um, there's nothing more powerful uh, when somebody else is looking for a job than seeing you advocate for your employer. Oh, wow. You know, Beverly loves working there. Um, I know Beverly. She, you know, she's 
you know, trustworthy. And I know she's a discerning person and cares a lot about her work. I'd like to work for the kind of organization that employs people like Beverly. That is a really powerful thing to do. And by the way, signals to your management team that you're you're on board and you you're in there for the long haul. If you're helping with those kind of efforts on the flip side of it for organizations that, um, that want their employees to, uh, you know, to exhibit those kind of behaviors, it's time to take a really good look at your social media policy. Um, it's take time to take a really good look at the content that you put out there. Um, is it shareable? Is it, does it feature your employees? Does it feature your company's values? Uh, are you actually depicting reality or an aspiration? Like, is it authentic? Um, so on both sides of the coin there, there's a real opportunity. And this is this is ultimately what Integral is all about. When I name the company Integral, it's because this idea of integrity um, is so important. The, the, you know, the wholeness, the wholeness, not just, you know, complying with laws or something, the wholeness. When people work for organizations with which they have a fundamental disagreement or, um, you know, fundamentally uh, feel like they are an outsider within an organization itself. It creates a cognitive dissonance that is very, very stressful. You live with it every day, having to pretend to be someone you're not. And the more integrated that we can get with our, you know, our, our sort of, you know, inner self and who we are at work and the more integrated we are, and I'm not saying you have to bear everything to people at work, but the the less you have to lie to yourself, the happier you're going to be. And by the way, that's a tremendous strategic advantage for companies to create wholeness for employees. You're going to want to stick around. You're going to want to advocate for the organization. You're going to want to take positive risks and innovate. There's just a raft of um, positive benefits. But if you feel like you're an outsider in your own team, it's very unlikely you're ever going to exhibit any of those behaviors. It's very unlikely that you would feel good about it if you were asked to do so either. That, that's exactly right. And uh, authenticity in the context of the workplace is so important, just like it is in so much of life. Well, you have lots of uh, fascinating, fascinating information on your website, and particularly in the Integral Employee Activation Index. Would you tell people how easy it is to download it, where they can find the index and hear more about um, what you're doing? Thanks so much, Beverly. Yeah, it's really easy. Uh, teamintegral.com, www.teamintegral.com. And there's a banner right across the top of the page uh, that says, check it out. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, of course, to, to download our, our research. And we're, uh, as I said earlier, we're looking forward to updating it. Um, I think we'll probably have some data against some of the, you know, a, a handful of those vectors that we think may have changed. Um, hoping, you know, in the first quarter, we're going to do an update and then, um, ideally we'll, we'll field it again annually and, and, and keep, uh, you know, start to get that baseline and, and be able to draw some conclusions over time. I suspect we are, we will see some shifts in the way people perceive their employers, uh, over the next year, particularly there have been so many changes in the relationship between workers, work and employees, uh, and employers rather. And, um, so I think it's a very vital time for us to be stepping back a little bit, appraising where we are as employers and play appraising where we are as employees and, um, and how that all fits into our idea of, you know, what's, what's a great society. What's a great experience for me as a human too. Well, I think you're right. There's 
there, there's going to be a lot of shift and hopefully a lot of adjustment to reflect what people are feeling. And the situation will change if we emerge from the pandemic. And maybe there'll be new concerns that uh, take a, a higher focus. But we'll, we'll be interested to watch uh, the next index and see what you're up to this year. And we really appreciate you uh, telling us about it here today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Beverly. It's a real pleasure. Today we've been talking with Ethan McCarty about what employees really think about their bosses. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that what you say about an organization can make a difference, and social media gives you a way to support your employer's brand. But do be careful in what you say. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating.